Hello, hello, hello. You're welcome to the Startup Lagos Podcast, a podcast dedicated to highlighting the bubbling scene of the growing startup community of the city of Lagos. And I'm your host, Olumide Olainka. And if you'd like to subscribe to the show, join us on SoundCloud, iTunes, RSS, at startuplagos.co. I will um, give a brief um, um, introduction about who we are and what we do. So, uh, the program is brought to you by the Lagos uh, Startup Week and um, Singularity University Lagos Chapter. Um, and so, I would, I, would, I would start with Singularity University. So, Singularity University is... Um, a think tank, a Silicon Valley think tank. What we do is that we inspire and educate uh, global leaders and entrepreneurs to use exponentially growing technologies to address the world's biggest problems. And um, we are a network of uh, over 145,000 innovators, investors, and, uh, and disruptors around the world. What we, what we emphasize on is collaborating to tackle some of the problems that the world has faced for a long time. And so we recently got a license to run a chapter of Singularity University in Lagos. And um, we are a team of um, the leadership of Singularity University Lagos chapter includes myself. Um, I'm also the founder of Yuloho, um, which is a startup in San Francisco that takes African art, African art outside Africa to a new market. I have um, Eno Ekanem on my team as well, uh, and Aima Ohiwere, who are both um, partners and founders of uh, Startup Studio. What Startup Studio does is... Um, Hello, everyone. So I'm Enoe Kanem, um, a co-partner with Lagos Chapter of Singularity University, and also the founder of Startup Studio. Startup Studio is a startup venture hub that provides services to startup founders to launch their ideas from just ideas to real businesses. And alongside Aima, Oyewere, and Yuli, we've, we are the heads and the leaders of the Lagos Singularity University chapter. I really, really love and really happy to see everyone here. Thank you. Okay, so we also have Ferdinand Ademife, who's sitting here. Uh, can give you a brief introduction. All right, uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, so I'm also one of the partners here. And um, for Singularity University, it's exciting because you know, we're talking about the, the next few years, the technologies that will really grow. So we're looking at... Um, artificial intelligence, robotics, all of those kind of conversations. So I think you should look out for Singularity for next year. It's going to be a big deal. So we're going to be having a series of programs. If you have a project in that area, do let us know before we leave. Uh, in artificial intelligence, anything that you know has an exponential uh, capabilities, uh, we call them exponential entrepreneurs. So it's sort of like a global shift. We're a little slow, but we'll catch up. Um, on the flip side, I, I run a creative technology company called Imaginarium. 
So we're into mobile value-added services, digital marketing, and product development. So we're in between, or everything in between that. So nice to meet you guys. I hope we have a good afternoon. Okay, so we also have um, Damilola and um, Idris Bello, who you meet in the course of time. So I'll give you a brief um, introduction to Singularity University. As I said, Singularity University focuses on educating and inspiring people to use technology to solve the world's biggest problem. And um, we believe that we, the world has all the ingredients to tackle some of our biggest problems. And we've moved to the technology era. And so we say, look, how can AI and blockchain and nanotechnology, biotechnology, um, medicine, how can they solve some of the problems that the world faces? And when we talk about the world's biggest problem, we're talking about water, shelter, security, disaster resilience, the environment, education, um, governance, and several other problems. So we have come to Lagos to create conversations that inspire entrepreneurs to collaborate together to solve some of these problems. So um, we have um, about 91 um, chapters around the world. Uh, we only recently got the Lagos chapter after talking about it. And we're happy that it has eventually come to Lagos because I have re I was recently in um, a room of about 3,000 people from who came to San Francisco from everywhere in the world to also talk about technology and solving problems. And so, um, over the last eight years, Singularity has put up about 692 events to date. I'm sure it will be updated after this event as one other event. And so we keep having events constantly to teach people on um, exponentially growing technologies. And so we have people who gather everywhere around the world for one event or the other just to make sure that um, the message. So one of our messages with, at Singularity University is, so as an entrepreneur, how do you create an initiative that positively affects a billion people in 10 years? When you think about that, then you have a moonshot idea. Then you have an idea that can change humanity. And we also believe in abundance. We as, a, as against what a lot of people think and what the media tells us the world is actually getting better, but to get the world to the place where we all want it, all of us have to come together to collaborate. So um, there are so many impact initiatives. There are people doing amazing things around the world to try to solve problems. And so um, they, we, we've, we've come across over 5,000 impact, in, impact initiatives to try to tackle some of these uh, problems. And so there are six categories of um, events that we organize and um, uh, at Singularity University.
And so these are some of um, the fields where uh, people have um, um, made some good progress. So this is field ready. I was, I recent, I, I spoke to the founder of field ready this week, and what they do is that they take ready solutions to disaster areas in the world. So as we speak, they are between Haiti and Texas, where they have recently been some um, natural disasters and. This initiative came out from Singularity University. And uh, you have uh, also, this is another initiative that came out of Singularity University called uh, Modern, uh, Modern Meadow. And uh, I think, I cannot remember exactly what they do, but uh, yeah, it's a biotech com uh, tech, uh, company that's solving uh, problems for um, helping change the way we farm and change the way we process food. And uh, there are several other initiatives. That I, I could go on with the initiative, but what we want to do today is bring local um, innovators and people who have made a mark in Lagos, who are still pushing towards using technology to change the way we educate people or change the way we bank and change the way we, we, we change our energy supply. And so we are putting a panel together today of Lagos uh, innovators to talk about their experiences and what they do, and also give an opportunity to have an interactive session with them. So I will invite um, Damilola to take over and introduce the panel. Hello, everyone. Hi. Why is, you guys are quiet. Why? Has it been boring? Cold. Oh, sorry. Okay. I'm just give. I'm just going to give a brief introduction about myself. Uh, my name is Damnola Thompson. I'm corporate counsel for EcoVC Partners. Um, we're seed and early um, seed and early growth stage venture capital firm. Um, when we invest in tech and tech-enabled startups. I'm also co-founder for Ventures Dialogue, and Ventures Dialogue um, is a platform that essentially connects entrepreneurs with mentors and investors. I will be anchoring the panel today, and I will call on um, the panelists for the events, for the session. Thank you. Okay. Um, Okay, we would like to make welcome Judith Okonkor. Judith? Can we have the microphone? Thank you. Judith is founder in MC3D, and she'll be telling us more about herself. Thank you. We would also like to make, wel um, make welcome Idris Ayodhi. He's co-founder of the We Innovation Hub and also partner Lofty Inc. Allied Partners Limited. Thank you. 
Olu Ogunlela. Olu is co-founder and chief curator of Gridless Africa. Thank you. I would also like to invite Victor Olon Femi. Thank you. Victor is tax technology and innovation lead, lead PwC. Thank you. And last but not the least, Olu Shoyede Johnson. Regional partner at Africa Technology Foundation. Thanks, guys. Thank you for making out time to come. Okay. Thank you. To come to the set. Um, so maybe just briefly introduce yourselves. Hi, guys. How are you guys doing? Good, good, good. All right. My name is Olusha Shuri Johnson. Um, is this very, very loud or is it just me? Just me. Good. All right. Um, so I am the Innovation and Business Development um, Manager at um, Ericsson. Um, I'm also a regional partner for the Africa Technology Foundation, which is based in Silicon Valley. And we build bridges between uh, more mature markets, Silicon Valley, um, Hollywood, um, and markets across Africa to help entities um, in different countries scale. Right, um, by giving them access to resources and um, funding. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, my name is Victor Lauren Femi. Um, I'm the tax and technology um, and innovation, tax technology and innovation lead for PwC Nigeria. Um, apart from my official work, um, I'm actually a technology and artsy technology enthusiast. So I've got a passion for the arts and. and being an IT savvy person as well. So I like to mix you know, arts and technology together to try and, and create um, solutions. For PwC, what I've been doing in the past couple of years is helping to push tax administration in Nigeria um, and tax accounting generally to um, a place where we are functioning as a tax function of the future, pretty much. So using technology to make administration easier, collection, etc. So that's what I've been doing. Apart from that, we built um, an app recently to try and educate um, Nigerians in general, um, but specifically tax professionals. So we know that there's been an issue where all the tax laws are scattered, judgments, case laws, things that help you function well in business. People don't really have access to those things. So what we did is we built an encyclopedia, a digital encyclopedia, and built a search engine on, on some of these things. And it's out there, it's just one of the few things that we've done um, as PwC. Um, I'm a blockchain enthusiast, um, which, which is like the, the new place I've been paying of late, so I've been experimenting with digital currencies um, and, and other interesting blockchain projects, thanks. Yeah, good afternoon everyone. My name is Olu Ogunela. I'm the co-founder of Gridless Africa. So basically, Gridless Africa is a clean energy think tank we basically initiate conversations and aid new connections to accelerate the deployment of renewable energy in, in Africa. I'm also a clean energy entrepreneur. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Quintessential Solar. And I also am a tech entrepreneur also working on a time tracking productivity app. Hopefully that will have um, artificial intelligence on that soon, yeah. So that's what I do. 
Hello. Is this, is this loud enough? Okay, good. Uh, my name is Idris Bello. I like to refer to myself as an Afropreneur. Uh, that is an entrepreneur focused on uh, Africa. I happen to be one of the co-founders of the Renovation Hub, which is a tech hub uh, with its main hub in Ibadan, or with extensions here in Lagos and in Abuja. And we work with uh, early stage companies. I am also a partner at Lofty Inc. Capital Management, which is also an early stage uh, fund, venture fund, focused on uh, African, majorly Nigerian entrepreneurs. Personally, I am an angel investor and one of the earliest investors in Andela, Flutterwave, Pointevo, Campway, and a host of others. In the audience here, I've seen some of my investors who have refused to file their monthly reports. <laughs> so don't run away, I will see you after the, after the session. Uh, yeah, so that's why I do. And I happen to work in health innovation, and I think in the course of this, I would uh, talk about what I do in health innovation and, and how it relates to these events. I also happen to be a Singularity University Fellow. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Judith Okonkwo. I run a Missy 3D. It's a creation lab that's focused on the extended reality technologies. So that's the spectrum from augmented reality to virtual reality. We are working on building the ecosystem for that here in Nigeria. What that means is that we're growing a community of content creators. And we also help organizations, different sectors, understand what they can do with these technologies and how they can leverage them. Thank you. So I'm going to um, just take, say, three minutes. Um, I would let you guys deep dive into what, like, specifically what you do um, and just how it affects or just centers around um, Singularity and what Singularity hopes to do. So what Singularity essentially does is um, it's an educational institute, but it's not your, it's not your regular university. It's um, essentially like a, um, a, a platform essentially that creates, um, that, that accelerates technology, um, promotes exponential technology. And I think the, the key word for singularity ex is exponential. Um, so you take, say, um, um, VR, um, ML, and essentially you try to provide solutions, um, try to provide um, tr um, solutions to the challenges in Nigeria or you know, whatever society that um, you, you, you are working in. Um, so I'll just start from Shaya. Um, Okay, great. So um, I didn't mention actually the one thing that I do that has you know landed me here. Um, I am the national curator for uh, Space Apps Nigeria. Um, I brought the initiative into Nigeria in 2014. Um, and the reason why I did that was I had been um, interacting with the technology ecosystem for a few years before that and saw it sort of grow. And I thought that we were at the stage where um, there was a level of maturity. Um, there were certain technologies that we were playing around with, mostly web and a lot of mobile, right? And we were building e-commerce and a whole bunch of other things, um, entertainment on top of that. And I said, you know, the rest of the world is playing around with space technologies, right? using bottom-up innovation. And what that means is you're not waiting for the government, right, to sort of help you um, uh, sort of incentivize, right, the innovation from the top. It's the community and the stakeholders and all the different players that come together to sort of drive 
the innovation. And that's very key for me and very key for the sector that I'm interested in, which is space, right? So what we've done over the last couple of years is we focused very much on um, Lagos, right? And then grew that out um, to about seven cities over the last four years. So this year, um, from the east to Jos to um, cities around here, Ibadan, Ilori, Lagos, you know, these are ecosystems that we don't usually um, concentrate on, right? And so it's really amazing to see each of these um, ecosystems and their developers starting to take an interest in how space technologies can really transform the challenges around them. Now, what is innovation? Innovation is really about solving the things that are closest to you, right? The, the, the pain points that are closest to you, right? And then what you see is that that scales and that exports to other countries, right? And that, this is what we've seen in many other places. But what happens in Nigeria or in Africa is that we've become consumers, right? We see new technologies and we say, why do we need to be playing in that? We've got traffic issues, we've got poverty, right? Why should we be looking at space technology, right? And I love that question. The reason why I love that is because space technology has given us so many things, right, um, that have changed humanity. What happens when you start trying to fix something that is so hard, right? It's rocket science, right? It invariably transforms things closer to the ground in society. So from water filters that we take for granted, that came from space research, to shoe insoles, right, to our mobile technologies, to so many, even software, right, that we use, like um, Open Cloud, right? Those all directly came from space research. What happens when Africa takes its own responsibility in that space? We'll start solving institutional challenges, right, that we've always talked about in the same way over the last couple of years. So we've been trying to drive that agenda over the last couple of years. Um, looking at um, Earth observation, um, looking at um, expeditions to other planets, um, looking at atmospheric research. All of these things have applications across the board from agriculture to security to media to communications to education, right? And we'll talk about that a bit more. Okay. Um, I hope mine is not going to be so boring because I'd love to go to have gone first before... <laughs> Um, okay, um, because mine is a business that's, um, like I said, it's a business consulting firm, an accounting firm. So just try and bear with me for the next two minutes. What we're doing is we're working with companies and the government. Companies, we're introducing technologies such as data and, and analytics to look at their data. So people churn out chunks of data. They've been churning out data for several um, years. Um, the, the revenue authority comes, they tax the companies, they probably pay more than they should be paying. There's so much data, but there's so much intelligence hiding in this data, and the clients or companies do not know how to get insights from this data that can help them uh, make proper forecast projections or be more efficient with the way they do their work. So what we do is we take some data and analytics to these companies and we try to um, help them purify their data and give them insights. Another thing that we do is we try to automate some of their compliance processes that takes them several hours to do. Um, so we're taking, um, we have, we, there was a product we developed recently that cuts off uh, a, some, um, a routine exercise that would take three days, typically every month. Probably it gets it done in about 10 minutes. 
and then they can probably use the time for um, some other interesting stuff. That's for our clients. We're always looking for how do we simplify your business? How do we ensure that your cost of sales will drop, you know, and then you can use your time for other things? For the government, um, we're helping them to actually automate their process to make life easier for um, their workers. That's one. But two, we're also trying to help them, instead of them introducing new taxes and increasing tax rates, we said to them, why not, the current tax rates you have, you're not even collecting from everyone. You've not got everyone into, into the tax net. Why are you making life unbearable for those who already comply? So we come up with technologies that would enable them to be able to capture most people and profile them such that when they see you, or when they type in your name, they can they can tell, okay, this is XYZ person, this is all the business this guy works and has got, these are all the assets he's got, and these are the kind of taxes that this person should be paying um, at any point. Yeah, sorry, someone said chai. So, they, um, so we're, we're trying to get to that point where uh, there's so, so sort of transparency and, 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 and information sharing among countries, so that people who you know take some of our capital or money and, and go to other places, we're able to share uh, the different revenue authorities are able to share information. But you can't share information if you're not even gathering it properly. Um, so that's one of the problems that we're looking to solve. Um, I hope I haven't taken more than two minutes. Yeah, so basically, Greenless Africa is all about energy. I'm sure a lot of people in this room have experienced energy issues, you know, and we feel that the future is renewable energy. The reason why we coined the name Greenless Africa is basically saying just as um, in the telecom industry went from landline to mobile phones almost overnight, we are going to experience the same thing in the energy sector. You know, so basically from grid-tied solutions to gridless solutions. And obviously on the gridless solutions side, we're going to be seeing a lot of renewable energy, solar energy, wind, hydro, and the rest. You know. So what we're basically seeing, what we're basically trying to uh, achieve is to increase innovation in the sector in Africa. Because we see you know, a lot of um, activity happening in the space in the US. Currently, I think the, the uh, currently the energy industry uh, space is what uh, six trillion US dollars every year. So that's a lot of money, you know. And I believe there's a lot that we can do in Africa to to you know get our people the energy they need and also trans transform our economy. So currently, I think if I'm not if if the statistics have not changed any a bit, we are six to five million Africans without electricity. You know, 55% of Nigeria is off-grid, and majority of these people are not even connected to the grid at all. So basically, these are people not even getting Nepal for five minutes in a day. Absolutely nothing. You know, so we we felt that you know what we needed to find a way to bring the industry together. So basically, the stakeholders. How can we come together and get more stuff done? So if you look at it, the space in Africa, a lot of the activities going on in terms of the um, solar plants being built, so a lot of the big major solar projects are basically being um, deployed by um, multinational companies or international aid organizations like USAID, DFID, and the rest. You know, why should it be so? Why can't we as Africans come together and you know, you know, make a difference in the space? You know. So what we have been doing in the past couple of um, years is to find a way to engage with the st with stakeholders in the industry. So basically, we're talking about governmental stakeholders, entrepreneurs, developers, 
uh, folks in academia, and basically everyone across the board. Okay, how can we come together and make a difference? Okay, what are the technologies? Solar energy. Right now, in the, in the global space, we are seeing a lot of um, innovation in energy storage. We are seeing a lot of innovation in the wind energy space. Okay, what are the things that need to happen? You know? And right now, basically, we basically found that the two major issues in the space right now is uh, access to markets and access to, to finance. So on the access to market side, basically, is um, customers basically understanding the renewable energy technologies and basically, should I say, wanting to use them, you know. Why, you know, why should I let go of my generator to, you know, to start using solar panels in my house? Those are things that we need to, we need to solve access to market. Then the other side basically is access to finance, and that is also um, on the consumer side and also on the entrepreneurial side. So basically, developers need the money to deploy solutions, and obviously, customers need the money to buy the solution because of, um, as you all know, renewable energy can be expensive. You know, yeah. So that's what we do. So before I launch into my own perspective as relates to this topic, let me quickly spend some time talking about Singularity University because I think it's very important and as someone who has passed through the program. So before today, is anyone here who has never heard of Singularity University? Okay, a lot of hands. And this is very important because earlier this year, there were some free all expenses paid tickets to attend uh, the session, the eight-week session in Silicon Valley and it was very difficult to find people to actually apply because people had not been exposed to what Singularity is about, exponential technologies and stuff like that. And so if there's one thing you do after this uh, session, look up Singularity University. So the brains behind Singularity University are uh, Coswell and P uh, Peter Diamandis. And if you don't follow these guys on Medium or on online, please do because they have amazing, amazing write-ups. And the idea is that the current concept of our universities while they are good, they are very slow. We live in a world that is moving very fast. I can't wait for those four-year, five-year periods before you turn out things. You can't wait and continue to publish and publish without affecting the lives of people. And so what they do is work closely with policymakers, entrepreneurs, innovators all around the world, fast-moving fast technologies that solve issues around hunger, around uh, poverty, around health, disaster, and rest. And they have done amazing, amazing work. And they draw people from all over the world. Because for you to achieve innovation, you need diversity. So they do an amazing job on that. And there's a book uh, by Salim O'Salim called Exponential Organizations. You can look it up on, uh, online. Amazing, uh, for, especially for you entrepreneurs. So I've been taught to speak from the perspective of healthcare. Would, are there any doctors in the room? One. Okay, two. So disclaimer, I am not a doctor. I did not enter medical school. I did not drop out of medical school. I did not graduate from medical school. So I always like to make that disclaimer. Up to seven years ago, my background was in data mining and computer engineering. But then seven years ago, I was in business school in the US, and a chance conversation over lunch uh, led to me meeting a professor who was working on deploying low-cost technologies in health to Rwanda, Liberia, Sierra Leone, and a couple of other places. He found out I was in, from Nigeria, and he spoke about scaling up his work in Nigeria. So that had me coming down to Nigeria and helping him explore that. And that was really what got me into the field of healthcare. Thereafter, I went to the University of Oxford for a master's in global health. And then I went on to work with the Clinton Foundation in Swaziland, where we were working with them and MTN to deploy uh, electronic reminders uh, for HIV patients. 
In the past couple of years, I've also been involved uh, in the healthcare field from an investment perspective. One of our companies uh, is called uh, Adient Medical, and Adient is the first one who has uh, invented absorbable filters uh, for pulmonary embolism. So, the, so that when you have the surgery, it traps the uh, blood clots. And instead of having enough surgery to retrieve it, it actually di uh, dissipates into the bloodstream. After 35 days, it turns into CO2 uh, and some other uh, minerals and actually dissolves uh, uh, into the bloodstream. We've gone through animal trials, and right now we're starting at, with FDA, we're starting at the first human trials. So locally here also, I've also invested and advised Akankwe, which is leveraging uh, Telemed as a precursor to health insurance to reduce the number of people who actually show up at hospitals to leverage their insurance because there's so many things you can do uh, on healthcare. So, so, so that's uh, the, the space. And then uh, recently I've been consulting for the Gates Foundation around uh, the bottom of the pyramid in Nigeria, how do you leverage healthcare to solve health disparities? Now the question is, is when we talk about all these amazing technologies about healthcare, and we're talking about the future of Lagos. The first question you ask is, as we speak today, Juhesu is on strike, right? The nurses are on strike. Uh, the doctors just came back from strike. So where do you even start from? How do you even move from where we are today to where we need to be? Just this last week, one of my uh, neighbors was diagnosed of stage four lung cancer. And the doctor referred her to a teaching hospital. We called the teaching hospital and said, you cannot come for chemo because the, doctors are on, the, doctors are, the nurses are on strike. So one can get you know, very depressed and want to stay rooted to the sport and say, why do we even need to talk about this? But I usually like to make a quote from this movie, uh, The Queen of Catway, right? This movie about chess in Uganda. And there's this quote there that I, uh, that I found very interesting. And when Katende was speaking to Mutesi, he said, sometimes the place you are used to is not the place you belong. You belong where you believe you, believe you belong. Where is that for you? To find where you belong, you must make your move. What matters is that you can reset the pieces and play again. Make your move today. So today, as I speak about the future of Lagos from a healthcare perspective, uh, I will be speaking not just from where we are, but from where we can get to and where we think we belong. So I'm speaking as an expert, but someone has come to share and to inspire. Because in this room, I believe we have folks who are going to take on those different fields and apply themselves to those technologies to be able to get us to where we belong. Thank you. Um, so, here I am going last, but um, <laughs> uh, I want to talk about a, a little bit about virtual and augmented reality. Um, so, before I start off, let me just have a quick show of hands. Who's tried out virtual reality before? Okay, a few people. And who's familiar with augmented reality? Okay, a few, few hands. So, I'll just tell you a little bit about those two technologies to to give some context. Um, virtual reality is an experience that you can have by putting on a headset. And when that headset is on you, you are in a fully immersive 360 environment. And what that means is, um, well, there's a great example here. Right in front of us, we've got a 360 camera, okay? So it's recording the footage of this event in 360. And when it's finally um, done and put in a VR headset, for somebody who wasn't here, they can sit down and look to the left and see what you would see when you look to the left, when you look up, when you look down, when you look to the right, right? So it's actually capturing, oh, and, and Jeremy there from the Institute of the Future is, is waving a headset for, for me to show you. 
So that's an example of, of a VR headset. Um, so you put those on and you're in that fully immersive environment and that environment can be anything at all. In fact, it's only limited by the imagination of the content creator. And I want you to think about that for just a minute. Anything at all limited by the imagination of the content creator. Okay, so let's leave that for a minute and move down to the other end, which is augmented reality. And people, you know, you might hear a lot of talk about AR versus VR, so don't mind them. <laughs> They're actually on the same um, continuum. And I think in the end, we'll see a lot of convergence between these two elements. Now, what augmented reality does is superimpose digital elements on the physical world. So if you are into games, you might have heard of Pokemon Go, which was one of the major AR successes in recent years. And what it actually is, is you being able to see digital objects right in front of you through some sort of interface. Now, it might be a mobile phone. It might be you know, a pair of glasses. Google Glasses was an example. Or in the future, who knows, it might be you know, a pair of contact lenses that you wear. Uh, it's the sort of thing, if you're a fan of Iron Man, that you, know, you see Iron Man doing when he's interacting with Jarvis and they're able to pull up all of the different elements of you know, computer bits you know, right in front of them. So that's AR and that's VR. And you know, there's been this sense in the last few years um, that these technologies are going to be the future of computing. So we've had an era where we focused on mobile computing and everybody says this is the future. But it's a future that, you know, some people are thinking is maybe height-based. So let me give you a little bit of the history. Now with virtual reality, we saw it come into the mass consumer space around 2014. Prior to that, it was really expensive. It was used by organizations like NASA and the United States Air Force. And then, you know, they'd use it for training. The experiences that you would have, you know, and, and they've been doing this for over 50 years, um, would have equipment that would fill a room, would cost several millions of dollars, but you're now able to do that for a lot less, you know, a few thousand dollars, and in some cases, even a few hundred dollars. But the thing is, there has been a real focus on using these technologies in areas that don't really seem to impact people. A lot of the initial focus was on entertainment and on gaming. And certainly, if you look at you know, a lot of the stories coming out of the West about use cases, you might see that. But there's a changing tide. Over the last few years, a lot of people have started to invest in what they call VR for good or VR for impact. And they're beginning to realize that these technologies can actually be adapted to create solutions for whatever challenges you face. And I think that's particularly relevant for us here in Nigeria. And this is the time for us as well to start thinking about how we can actually leverage these technologies as well. Because, you know, as I said, it came into the mass consumer space around 2014. Everybody's really learning about what is possible with these technologies. The boundaries haven't been set yet. And if we want to move from, you know, the consumer space that Shaye was talking about to become creators, then we have to start getting involved right now. And that's the work that we're trying to promote here in Nigeria. So we're introducing people to these technologies. We are um, sponsoring scholarships for people who want to learn to become VR developers, for example. We have a lab where you can come in and access VR equipment. You can access resources if you're interested in learning. And like I mentioned, we also go out and interact with different organizations, with schools, just so people can start to understand what's possible. And the exciting thing about this is that I think, you know, people are catching on. Over the last few years, you'll see places where, um, certainly in schools, people are 
taking VR into classrooms. And I'll tell you the great thing about this is that um, let's imagine the, the typical scenario in a place like Nigeria in a local public school, right? You, you, you know the setup, um, large classes, maybe 100 students and just one teacher, uh, a lack of facilities, right? Um, it might be a situation where, you know, they don't have laboratories. We know the situation with power already. But when you have a virtual reality headset with the right content, you can kind of leapfrog all of that. A student can be in a virtual classroom. They can be in a virtual laboratory. They can do experiments. They can go on field trips. They can even explore the solar system. And when you think about it from that perspective, then you know that really anything is possible. I mean, think about the real problem that we have with education. A country like Nigeria where you know, over 11 million children are out of school. Now that's the highest number of any one country in the world today. And there's no solution right now that can tackle that. And then for our children that are in school, the majority of them in public schools are not really getting an education. Learning outcomes are appalling. With these technologies, we have the opportunity to find a way to actually tackle these problems. Thank you very much. I mean, this. This has been very insightful. So I'm just going to, I know, and I know that um, Judith has touched on it a bit, but I'd like us to take a step back um, and just, so a lot of people in this room are saying, we haven't even figured out our basic problems in this country. And now you're talking of blockchain, you're talking of VR and AR and space, like space, really? Um, what, what, what would you say to these entrepreneurs? What do you think they can do differently, you know, using exponential technology? Anyone can start. Um, actually, VR and AR is another field that excites me. But then, I would I think I would talk about blockchain and concepts around blockchain that I feel that entrepreneurs in Nigeria can actually borrow or start thinking about. Um, they can also use to disrupt the way we currently work, um, the way we currently do business as well. It's a good thing that internet is getting cheaper by the day, and then most people have mobile devices, obviously, in Nigeria, especially, I believe, maybe 90-something percent of everyone here has got a mobile device connected to the internet. The whole concept of a blockchain, let me just simplify for, for, for those who probably don't, don't know what it is. Um, it's just a technology that is distributed Anything that goes into it um, is immutable. You can't change it. And whatever records on the blockchain, everyone is a custodian of that particular record. So for instance, sir, allow me to just um, paint a scenario. The whole blockchain thing started with Bitcoin. How many people have heard of Bitcoin here? Okay, brilliant. How many people have Bitcoin? No one will Okay, brilliant. Okay, that's good. So the whole concept started when... Um, there were issues around trust, issues around financial institutions crashing back in 2008. Um, people were not trusting you know, the centralized money systems, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then a guy or a team of people came up with a paper and said, what if we flip the paradigm? Currently, what we have is central banks issuing currencies. And if you have an incompetent head of a central bank, 
your currency may keep you know, floundering. If your economy of your country is bad, it may keep floundering. And the fact that these guys can print out money whenever they want um, allows for a lot of inflation. All right? So they said, what if we took the other approach and then we came up with a way that instead of money depreciating in value, it could actually appreciate in value. And so, yeah, fine, that's brilliant, that's fantastic. We make it scarce, we make it finite, um, just like gold. But as we know, there's a problem that comes when you're sending out emails to people. I can send out, if I, if I compose an email, I can send you a copy of the email, send another person a copy of the same email, I can send it out. That, you wouldn't want to do that with money. Once money leaves me, it has to be on record that it has left my account and it cannot go anywhere else. That's how the whole blockchain concept you know, was born. Uh, so everyone, all the custodians, uh, we call them notes, um, take a record and say, the money has left this guy. It no longer belongs to this guy. It now belongs to this guy. Okay, so it's not, it's not a new concept. It's existed for centuries, just that now we've digitized the whole stuff. So that paradigm has started changing things here. Think about land. People keep you know, fighting over land, going, you know, having court cases, who owns this land? I sold it to XYZ person, I sold it to XYZ person. If we had gotten to a point, and the engineers we have around, software developers we have around here, who probably learn Python and, and blockchain cryptographic technology, they can get us to the point where the land in the state, everything is actually captured on the blockchain, such that if I want to dispose my land, unfortunately, I'm gonna, I wouldn't need a third party. So whenever you think blockchain again, remember it takes away the third party person, whether it be a bank, whether it be any other institution. So if I want to dispose my land, I can just dispose to the other person. And everybody in Lagos that has access to the blockchain can tell, verify immediately that it no longer belongs to this guy, it now belongs to this guy. That eliminates the, the need for court cases and fighting because at every point in time, everybody knows what belongs to X, what belongs to Z. Um, Think about this again, the fact that not many people can buy a piece of land, especially in some you know, vintage places. Um, think about, just think about the concept of blockchain and, and, and digital currencies where every one of us here could actually contribute to buy a piece of land without knowing ourselves from anywhere. And then when we want to dispose the land, if it's appreciated in value, we all get automatically credited based on the contributions that we've put into that piece of land. So now the game is not only for the rich and powerful, but for everyone who's got access to the internet and is willing to contribute. These are things that software engineers, people sitting down here today, they can accelerate us into that particular realm. Think about food. Think about farmers in, in Benue, for instance, that want money to be able to buy maybe tractors, to be able to buy things to do mechanized farming, but don't have money. Um, in the whole blockchain space, we have another paradigm shift which is called ICOs, initial coin offerings. Um, there was a time where to, to invest in Amazon, and thank God you're, you're, you're an angel investor. Sometimes you needed to have some insider knowledge, um, and those guys have already, you know, the guys who did all the seed round and all the different initial rounds, uh, have already gotten a big share of the, of the pot before the initial public offering that we now buy, which is sometimes when many of them actually even cash out, right? Now the game has changed with ICOs, initial coin offering, that came to us via blockchain technologies. At this moment, if I have an exciting project and I don't have money, all I need to do is to create my white paper, get a proof of concept, do an initial coin offering, and anybody from any part of the world 
can contribute to that project. And as they're making profit, they can also, in quote, get what, 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 um, what applies to them. So it's disrupting even the venture capitalist space, so to speak. So now back to my story um, about the guy who's got a farm in Benue. Who wants to do mechanized farming? But he doesn't have money. The bankers don't know him. He's got no track record. He's got maybe no additional collateral that he's going to use. But he needs money. Think about it. If you guys have helped us accelerate to that point where this guy does a form of ICO, where all of us seated here, some guys in Lagos, all around different parts of the world, actually buy into his farm or contribute to his farm such that he now gets the funds to be able to buy the tractors and do whatever it is that he wants to do. And then when he makes sales and profit, automatically the profits get executed back to us, wherever we are seated. These are the, these are the, these are the possibilities that the blockchain can bring to us. All right, so I think I'm just going to stop for there, but you see why... It's not, it's not rocket, we're not moving, to, it's not rocket science at that, sh that share space. Um, it's, it's something that's not far from here. All it just takes is for you to probably start learning Python. You get on your computer, you get a code academy or sub Udemy or any other spaces and you start learning how to code. Uh, you get on the internet, there's so much uh, information there on GitHub where you can actually learn you know, all the excitement that's in blockchain and actually push us into that place. It's amazing to know that emerging economies like us, we always come up with very creative stuff that even the so-called uh, first world countries don't have. I, I had someone come to me one time and I told him about inverters. And he said, what are inverters? I said, oh yeah, uh, you store electricity and then you put in inverters and so that when Nepa takes light, it just kicks off. I'm like, oh wow, that's really brilliant. Oh, you think so? Okay, it's, come on, it's popular here. You know, so, so our peculiar environment actually gives us the ability to do even more exciting stuff with some of these exponential um, technologies. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. So if I, if I may jump on that. Uh, so, okay, a couple of times when we talk from the perspective of, when we speak from the perspective of, you know what, with all our problems now, do we need to focus on this? I think sometimes we are assuming we have control of, over what happens in the world. If we don't lose these things, they will happen to us. We'll be disrupted. When Uber came, what happened to the taxi drivers in Lagos? Right? <laughs> whether you had a choice, whether you love technology or not, it affected you, and it will affect you. A couple of years back, I used to work for PNG, Puta & Gamble, in Ibadan, in manufacturing plants. And then when you bought a plant to make pampas, it was one huge plant that had about 100 people on the plant, on the, on the line. Today, if they bring the, uh, a plant to do the same thing, they probably need just two people on the line. So whether you like it or not, you have been disrupted. And so Jeff Bezos of uh, Amazon likes to uh, say this quote. He said, what we need to do is to always lean into the future. When the world changes around you and when it changes against you, what used to be a tailwind is now a headwind. You have to lean into that and figure out what to do because complaining isn't a strategy. And that's why we're entrepreneurs, right? We're not just going to sit in what we have today and then say, you know what, Nigeria is not yet where it needs to do, and then the world is going to move on. So I'm quickly going to use that to launch into healthcare and what's happening, right? And the applications of some of these technologies. And you actually discover that some of it is actually already happening locally. And it's up to you to figure out where do you want to pitch in. And you don't have to be a doctor. That's why I made the first case that I have never studied medicine, yet I found my own niche within the healthcare space. Because you need diverse skills in all these things that are, that are happening. So because the idea is we need to move healthcare from sick care, which is what it is right now. It's reactionary. It's when you're sick, 
you are you are sick that you actually show up at the hospital. You show up and you get a stage three cancer, stage four can, uh, of cancer, right? It's sick care. How do you move from healthcare uh, uh, to healthcare? How do you move to a stage where instead of you visiting the hospital, healthcare actually comes to you? And I'll talk to you a couple uh, about six different aspects that exponential technologies is playing a role right now in healthcare, and you can figure out where you add uh, value or where uh, you can make a play. The first one, which is very common, is in the area of information and data-driven health. And we're all very familiar with this, with all the data that's been gathered around uh, healthcare, whether it's digitization of uh, medicine, electronic health records, imaging technology, right? The amazing work has been doing, done around imaging. So recently I was at the hospital, uh, and then they were sup superimposing uh, ECGs and MRIs using software, and the amazing data that you could actually get from there, and, you know, it just, was just computer scientists doing this, right? Uh, to wearables, to uh, different things around big data. And quickly, locally, there are two, uh, two plays I know around that. So there's something called Alert Clinic. The, the guys who were below, be, uh, behind the Ebola Alert uh, platform, when the, uh, Ebola happened, they've metamorphosed into what we call Alert Clinic right now, and they actually work on tracking diseases, right? Locally, working with Lagos State government, where they actually take healthcare to the people. Because part of what impoverished people is, not being able to pay for healthcare when they're already sick. You can actually tackle the issues at the base there. Before they actually get to the hospital, you can help people. And that clinic is actually work, working on this. You also have, secondly, you have the area of personalized medicine. We're all very different. Why is it that when I'm sick, the same drug, the same amount I'm giving is the one that's also given? Today with uh, genomics and the rest, people have actually been able to personalize treatment uh, to individuals, and that's uh, a, a huge field that's happening. You have regenerative medicine from stem, uh, stem cells uh, for repair, replacement, and uh, issue, uh, uh, tissue replacement. And 3D imaging, uh, 3D printing is actually playing a huge role uh, these days. People are actually printing tissues. So they're not waiting for people to donate marrow, bone marrow and the rest. They are now being printed. And that's one of the concepts behind singularity. It's you move from scarcity to abundance. Right? Rather than waiting, there's only one kidney dinner. Donor. Can we actually manufacture kidneys ourselves? So that people don't have to wait for seven, eight years uh, on that. You also have what you call the uh, inter future of intervention. When you talk about robotic surgery, you talk about bionic limbs. I've seen cases now where people who are actually blind are now able to see using the sense of taste. Just imagine that. Using the sense of taste to control the, the, the eyesight. People who have lost their limbs in war now using their thought processes to control uh, movements. And those are the things that are happening here. And then, of course, you go into the issue of neuromedicine, go to the issue of mental health. Talking about ARVR, the applications of health. So usually when you go for an operation or surgery, uh, you have anesthesia, right? People, they're not testing where you're not giving uh, anesthesia, but rather they leverage augmented reality. Or where you're not giving painkillers when you have cancer, but you're actually giving a VR headset, and you're transported into another world and you don't even feel the pain. So you're not just being popped, uh, popping pills. You're leveraging ARVR for that. At the University of Stanford right now, medical students don't even have to cut cadavers. They actually leverage augmented reality to teach medicine. So actually, before you actually go into the theater to actually perform the surgery, you have actually performed it. Right? So there are no surprises there. And then lastly, the area of med, uh, medical devices and medtech, which is one of the areas I play in, like I said earlier, about absorbable filters. So you see whether you're a mechanical engineer, an electrical engineer, a journalist, there are roles for you to play here. 
So I don't want us to stay and say, you know what, that's just for advanced countries. And we move, live in a world that, as we move into IOTs and the rest, talent is not going to be enough in the developing world. They are going to come here. When you hear of cases like Andela, right, where you have 600 people on the continent who are working for tech companies right there. As we move into these advanced technologies, they are going to come hunt for talent, yeah. But it's only those who are prepared, those who are taught themselves. And there are platforms out there, free platforms out there for you to learn about those things. And I think it's very important that we get involved. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, can I say something? Okay, yeah. Sure. So basically, uh, in the renewable energy space, I think it's unlike the telecom space, it's really, really open to all. So when we went from landline to mobile phones, right, the people, the first mobile company was MTN, and basically they had to have a large um, amount of money and infrastructure to you know, get people mobile phones and stuff. But in the renewable energy sector, especially in the, in, in the um, grid-less side of things, basically it's basically powered by the people for the people. So like anyone here sitting down there can basically go and buy or import a solar product and we sell or you know, bring several components of putting together a mini grid and basically provide energy to a small community of houses and basically put a, a metering solution there and have like a form of a financial payment solution there to, to basically collect money. For. So basically it's, it's open wide, it's, it's an open industry for everyone to play. You know, there's, uh, you can come in if you're like a researcher and stuff, you can come in on that area, basically figuring out technology that is, um, that basically people can start using. So in the, in, for example, solar energy space, there are different tiers of energy, you know. So there's gonna be some communities who just can't afford to pay like, you know, 26 kilowatts per hour, you know. There are maybe communities that just maybe uh, farming communities and the, the, uh, what they can afford for energy basically is maybe uh, five naira per kilowatt, you know. You might realize that, okay, these people are currently using kerosene. All they need is just uh, solar lighting, um, um, solution with a mobile charging system, you know. So that is like a tier one solution where it's just basic need. There are going to be obviously going to be some other communities, maybe like uh, communities of uh, carpenters who are earning much more. So they might also still need that 26 kilowatt hour of energy that it's available to the city, but they can now have that solar home systems, which I don't know if anyone here knows about the Nova Lumos, which is in partnership with MTN. So basically, it's like a small solar home system, basically like a box, and that can power like a small TV, a fan, couple of lighting points, charge phone, radio, and things like that, yeah. So basically, there are different solutions for different people. You know, it's not like one solution fit all. You know, everyone doesn't need to be connected to the grid anymore. You can say, okay, you know what, this is my income level, this is what I'm gonna use. Until I start making money, then I can afford this one and I go to this one. Then the other one I can now, you know, and that's how it works, you know. And basically, there's room for everyone to play. There is room for everyone to play. And not just even solar, there's wind, there's hydro, there's even some very, very small um, hydro solutions that if you're living by the river and area, you can just put it in the water and, you know, the flow of the water is, you know, spinning the turbine and you can power some few, few equipments at, at home, you know. A big, a big, um, the few big technologies basically that we should look at on the global space. You know, for example, we're talking about exponential, exponential technologies, and now as Nigerians, we can start playing in that space. The two big, big ones in, in relation to um, power and energy storage is basically um, um, electric vehicles. You know, so that's something that's gonna really, really change. You know, like I was think, thinking about the other day, I don't think we have any, any electric charging station in, in Nigeria. You know, I don't even know if there's any electric cars 
in, in Nigeria. I think that's charging our phones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but these are things that we need to start looking looking into. You know, I think uh, there were some couple of auto shows this this year that was concluded. I think Frankfurt that was in Germany, I think, and they released Mercedes-Benz released a lot of you know electric vehicles. You know, I, I think also Mercedes-Benz also invested uh, investing six hundred million dollars in electric vehicle research and stuff. So basically, a lot of things happen in that space. Can't, one of us can basically just decide to, you know what, let me contact um, Chevrolet, the people that make the electric Volt, the Volt car. Okay, can you guys bring, um, I I'm basically trying to play in the space, can I bring one of your vehicles over with a charging station, you know, work with uh, maybe a solar de um, developer or solar engineer, and you know, you can instantly install a solar charging station, and with the car start to um, run real data to figure out how can we, where are the points we're going to place charging stations, you know, how far should they be so that people who eventually start bringing these vehicles in can use them. You know, so there's so many things that can be done in face, so many, you know. We can work in the media in terms of helping um, customers know and learn about the technology and take it to the next level. We can work in ad academia and research and come up with, you know, different solutions that's basically going to be unique to Nigeria or unique to Africa, basically the developing energy space. So, for example, um, energy sharing is something that I believe is going to be big for, for um, the developing nations that don't have a reliable grid, you know. How can someone that's even using generator self, let's even not even talk about renewable energy now, generator in this household share with um, his energy with um, someone else who doesn't have a generator and just you know connect the two points together, put a, a metering system together and put a payment solution and make sure and, you know and basically people are sharing energy. You know? So there's really, really a lot to do in the space. You know, if you are really interested about the space, you can follow us on Twitter. We hold uh, we organize a weekly Twitter chat series basically called Grillless Africa series, where we actually engage with uh, stakeholders from different country, um, um, countries playing in the space. You know, we have in engaged with um, even manufacturers of products that are basically designed for the African space, you know. So from the series, you can get to know who is doing what and connect with them. And from there, basically, you are in the space, you know. There's room for everyone. At Gridless Africa, at Gridless Africa. Yeah, Gridless, G-R-I-D-L-E-S-S, Gridless Africa. Um, I just quickly wanted to follow up on what's been said so far, and particularly um, on what Idris uh, was talking about when he spoke. You know, when it comes to kind of like Nigerian exponential technologies, there is a sense that, oh, you know, maybe in one part, in some parts of the world, they're thinking, we're not ready. And even here, some people might be thinking, we're not ready. You know, but as Idris really pointed out, with, with examples like Uber, we can't afford not to be ready, right? It really, the future that's going to happen in 10 years and 15 years will be determined by all of us right now, and we, we make the choice. And there's something that I think about, especially you know, in the fields I work with, augmented reality and virtual reality. Now, no major tech company involved with this technology has a plan for Nigeria. Not one of them. The Oculus Rift, for example, is not officially available in Nigeria, right? Neither are tools like the Vive. You can get the Gear VR here sometimes, the Samsung product, but then sometimes you can and sometimes you can't. Nobody actually has a strategy here. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of, you know, what happened with Nigeria and mobile phones, right? Remember then, before the companies came in, everybody thought, Wait, that country, that poor country, 
If you're lucky, maybe a million people will have phones, if you're lucky. And then what happened? Somebody came in, and in, in shorter than anybody could imagine, 40 million mobile phones were in use around Nigeria. So really, all I want to say is, with these technologies, I mean, the great thing about the world today and the digital economy is that we have access, regardless of what people say or don't say, regardless of what they, can, they think we can do or not do. We have access. And we need to exploit that for all it's worth. And there's so many ways in which we can do that. So, for example, I mean, Idris gave a lot of great examples about what's being done with AI and VR across fields like medicine. You know, I have a friend who's here that does work with autistic children. Now, we know the state of mental health care in Nigeria. We know how poor it is. We know there are lack of professionals. And with virtual reality, she's looking to scale her services across the country and actually across West Africa. And it's twofold. Not only is she looking at it for its therapeutic uses where she can create interventions that children can use wherever they are with a virtual reality headset, but she's also using this technology to get people to understand the disorder better. Because you know how we are here. A child is autistic, you start wondering, who did it? Who did you upset in the village? What's going on, right? But there are virtual reality experiences that you can have that will allow you to get a sense of what it's like for a child with autism to be in a room like this, for example. The sensory overload, the way that they would react to sound, to light. And with experiences like that, people are beginning to understand, to empathize, but more importantly, to realize that this is not what they thought before, that nobody's upset in the village, and that this is just an aspect of life and health. And in ways like that, I think we can begin to fundamentally change you know, our futures, our destiny. And we've got to like grasp that for all of us. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned to our next episode. Subscribe to us at Startup Lagos on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Visit us at www.startuplagos.co.